like to invite you to open up your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and, and yes, we will be continuing with our series through Exodus uh, beginning next week, but uh, right now we, we continue to look at this Christ child coming into the world and the meaning behind that uh, and what it means uh, in terms of our responsibilities, you might say, as well as the gift that's given to us. Uh, so Luke chapter 2, uh, we're going to begin in, in verse 8. Now last week, if you were here with us, then you, you'll recall that we opened up to Isaiah chapter 9, to that prophecy uh, that is there, that passage that we so often turn to during this time of the year. And uh, let me just remind you of a few of those those words out of Isaiah uh, chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, and, and on and on. So even if you weren't here with us uh, last week, then it, there's a good chance these words are familiar words to you. Uh, as we saw last week, this out of Isaiah chapter 9 and other places like it, but especially this, is it's, it's a prophecy of hope, a prophecy of hope uh, that was given as an encouragement to the people at a time when they needed encouragement. Uh, and, and in that encouragement, it promised God's comfort and God's provision and God's peace for His people, all of which was to come through a person, through this, this child who was to be born, the son given. Uh, now, this, this morning, we're going to be turning really to the, the same passage, the, the same event, but we're turning to the New Testament. But there is a similarity between these two. Now, one, a, a difference, one is a promise. It was looking forward. Uh, the people didn't know exactly when it was going to happen as we often don't, usually don't, with uh, what the Lord brings to us. And this morning, we're looking at the event, the occurrence, the reality, the fulfillment uh, of this out of uh, chapter 2 of, of Luke. Yet, there is a similarity between the two. If you remember last week, for those who were here, uh, we also read these words, and this really uh, set the, the background for uh, looking at that wonderful prophecy. Uh, th this was the condition of things and of the people. It, uh, it says right at the end of chapter 8 in, in Isaiah, and they will look, they, this people, will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, they will be thrust into deep darkness. Uh, that was the condition, their condition at the time. That was the condition of the world at the time. Fast forward 700 years later, you know what? The condition of the world itself wasn't different from that. Uh, if you were there in the first century and you looked around, that's what you would have seen. There is deep darkness. There is a rebellion against the Lord. There is all the brokenness that we find in this world. And if we fast forward 2,000 years to today, the exact same thing is true. Uh, now, sometimes that gets covered up. Sometimes we don't see it. We don't recognize it. But 
deep darkness, uh, distress, the gloom of anguish. That is a statement uh, of our world today apart from this that we're looking at this morning. Uh, And so as we come to this passage out of uh, Luke's gospel this morning, we come, yes, with the same background, but at the same time we come knowing that this is a fulfillment, uh, that this is God's gift. And we'll see in the passage that we're reading this morning, this is the proclamation, uh, the reality today. This is not just a promise of hope, But this is the hope uh, itself. And we'll see at the same time, therefore, this is a message that must be proclaimed today. Uh, Again, verses that we're familiar with, I invite you to turn there if you haven't already. So Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, and I'll remind you, this, this section that we're looking at really is the proclamation, and it comes right after the birth of Christ. So, chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we, uh, as we look at this passage this morning, we look to you, we look to uh, your Spirit and pray uh, that you would do that work within us to bring us to a right understanding of this passage. Uh, We know that apart from that, apart from the Spirit opening our eyes to be able to see and to understand, we can understand words, we can understand some of history, yet uh, we can't take this and apply it to our own hearts and see the gift that has been given and be moved and changed as a result of that. And that's what we pray for this morning. So we pray that you would do that uh, work within us. Uh, we do know that these, these words are familiar words. They've been used in many different contexts. Uh, we pray in a, in a sense, Lord, that if you need to take away that familiarity and, and allow us to see them anew, that uh, you would do just that for us this morning. We do pray for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, sometimes there is an event that happens in a person's life that uh, is such that they can't help but tell others about it. Now, you know, there there are certain people, and I'm sure you've noticed certain people, you may be one of those who, anytime something good happens, it may be you got a good deal at Walmart, or it could be that uh, there's a recipe that, that you found that everyone must have, and so you're very good about getting that word out to your contact list and, and sending it, it widely. And you know, there's a sense in which I thank the Lord for those people today because 
Well, really, social media has been designed for them to some extent, uh, but also they keep the rest of us informed that aren't always uh, keeping our eyes open in that way. But I'm not talking about that type of person this morning. I'm actually talking about a person that has undergone a transformative experience. Uh, It can happen to a a, a person. It can happen to people and individuals within that group as well. But an experience that is so important, that's so life-changing, that they can't remain silent about it, that they have to get the word out. They know that this is something that must be shared. Now, we've got a number of examples of that in Scripture, and I'm in particular referring to uh, the message, the gospel message. Uh, One of those that that stands out uh, out of the Old Testament is Isaiah himself, uh, out of Isaiah chapter 6. And this Many of you will be familiar with this Isaiah in the temple of the Lord, uh, and he has what appears to be a a vision. He sees the Lord high and lifted up, the train of his robe filling the temple, and what he's struck with as he sees the Lord is his holiness. And there are angels there, the seraphim, who are singing those, those words, or speaking those words that we know so well. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And what Isaiah sees is in the face of a holy God, he sees his own sin. He sees his own waywardness, uh, and he's struck by it. And at one point he says, woe is me, I am lost. And you can get a sense of that hopelessness. Uh, that's there when faced with with a holy God. But you remember what happens if you know that that passage that uh, an angel that's there, one of the seraphim, takes a coal, a burning coal, out of the fire and symbolically places it upon his lips and says this, your guilt is taken away, your sin is atoned for, period done. And he knows this is the Lord who has spoken. And so this affects him to such a great degree that as soon as he hears, and this is in in the next few verses, as soon as he hears the Lord make a call for someone to take forward his message, the Lord's message, Isaiah immediately responds and he says, here I am, send me. He's ready. He's ready to speak the Lord, because what has affected him affects him so deeply that it drove him into a place where he could not, he could not, not hold back from speaking. He's ready to be the mouthpiece for the Lord. You know, the passage that we're looking at uh, this morning has in it the good news right at the heart of it. Uh, If you if you look at our passage, chapter two, Luke, verse ten. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. This is it. This is the message, the the good news. You know, the the word that's used there in the Greek is euangelion. Uh, It may not sound familiar to you, but uh, if I said it in a different way, evangel, evangel, evangelism, 
this is, uh, that, that's what evangelism means. Uh, I, I bring to you good news, a message that must be shared. And what we see here in verses 8 through 11 is a, a response to what the Lord has done. Uh, just like with Isaiah, remember, he experienced forgiveness from the Lord. And as a response to that, he said, I can't remain silent. Uh, I've heard the good news, and I must take it forward. Well, if you have seen the good news, if you've heard the good news, if you know the good news, then you can't keep it to yourself. It's a message that must be shared. We know that deep down inside. At the same time, it's not always that easy, is it? The truth is that this message, the gospel, is one that is hated by much of the world. It's not welcomed by many of those around us. In fact, you might be going uh, over the next few days, you may be going and spending some time with family and friends, and there may be those there who you have tried in the past. You've tried to share with them this truth because you know inside this is a message that must be shared, yet it may not have turned out so well. Uh, In fact, you may have done this on a number of different occasions, different places, and it may not have turned out so well. Maybe they made it clear that they didn't want to hear it. And in some way, they they shut you down. Maybe they they shamed you uh, or shunned or ridiculed or just gave the silent treatment or whatever it might be. You know, that can be a real challenge for any of us, right? Because we don't like rejection. Uh, we like, we really do at the heart of it, especially with those that we know, friends, family, we like to get along with them. And so it can be difficult to continue on and to share this message that must be shared because of its nature, because uh, that's what it is. Well, if that's, if that's you and you struggle with that, then I think you'll find help and encouragement in this passage as we look at this proclamation, the proclamation that's been given. And I think we'll find that encouragement uh, as we look at two different ways that this passage brings to us this proclamation of the good news. The two ways are, first, this is good news for us. And secondly, this is good news for others. Good news for us, and it's good news for others. That's what we, uh, what we find here. So first of all, this is good news that's been given to us. It's been given to you and to me, and, it, and it's proclaimed here directly, and it's proclaimed personally. It is a, a message that is personal. You know, if you just look right before uh, these verses, look back to verse 7, we see the actual birth account. And she, that's Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son. That's the big event. We go back to Isaiah chapter 9. That's what it was pointing toward. Uh, it's, it, this is the fulfillment of this long-awaited, even before Isaiah chapter 9. We can go back to Genesis chapter 3. This is the, the fulfillment. It has come, uh, and it has come in this person who has come into the world. But what good is it if it's not proclaimed? What good is it if the word doesn't make it out? And that's, that's what we have immediately following 
this birth is the proclamation it's given from God through an angel to shepherds. Look with me at verse 8. And in the same region, you go back to the prior verses, that's region around Bethlehem. Actually, if you were to go there uh, today to Bethlehem, uh, you'd see a, a city there, not when, when I was there, not altogether a pretty city, but in the surrounding regions around it, it's still, you, you'll see shepherds in the fields. It's still very desolate. Uh, so in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And you can imagine they do this night after night, uh, dark. They didn't have lights out. It was quiet, largely, except for the sound of the animals. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. We can imagine that, that they would be filled with great fear when this happened. And here's the message that the angel brought to them. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. And of course, as soon as these words were heard, there were certain key words that they would have known something about what this event was about, the magnitude of it, especially that word Christ. Christ is a transliteration, it's called, of the word Messiah from the Hebrew language. Uh, Christ, the one that they were waiting for as a people, the long-awaited one. That would have brought a whole host of meaning to them. And so this, this message that the angel brings from God is directed at them, at the shepherds. And it is, it's clear, it is a message of good news. Now notice that this proclamation wasn't made to the chief priests. And it wasn't made to the elders of Israel, whom you might think. But it came to these men, to shepherds in the field. Have you ever asked, I know Probably all of us here have heard this many times over. Have you ever stopped and thought, why? Why? Why to shepherds? You know, in this day and throughout much of biblical history, shepherds were looked down upon and they were despised. You know, I think the, the nativity scenes that we often uh, gather and, and have during this time of the year, they... They can be misleading, especially when it comes to the shepherds. Uh, they were not only certainly you know, dirty and smelly because of the type of work that they did, but they were also looked upon with suspicion as thieves uh, and vagabonds. Uh, in fact, they, they weren't even allowed, their testimony wasn't allowed to be used in a court of law. Uh, because they were those who were not trusted. And yet, it was to these, the lowly, those who knew their low estate, that this message was given, and then we'll, we'll see further on, was received and believed upon. Why? 
Think about the message that is proclaimed to them. You know, in, in verse 11, the, the angel speaks about a Savior who has been given. What, what does a Savior do? A Savior rescues people who are, who are helpless, unable to help themselves, those who are lost uh, in some way. In fact, uh, in the case of this Savior, uh, one who rescues people who are, are lost in their sin, the shepherds apparently knew their lowest state in this way. They knew of their sinfulness. They knew that they were helpless and hopeless on their own. And yet they got this word about a Savior, about one who would rescue them. He was the, the Christ. And this was good news to them. They, they knew that this was what they needed. And in the same way for you, this is good news. If, if you're in touch with it and you know something about uh, things that you have done that you can't erase, that you can't take care of yourself, sin, if you know something about shame in your life that you can't remove, this is the good news. If you know that you have followed your own way and it hasn't, turned out well. In fact, you know that it won't. Now you're convicted. It won't ever work. It won't save you. The good news is that this is for you. This is a Savior who is able and who is willing, simply for the asking, to speak words of forgiveness into your life. Just like with Isaiah, to wipe the slate completely clean to give you a new beginning, a new life. That's the hope that is here. And, and this is a hope that it, it's not transient, it's not temporary. This is a hope that continues on and on and on because it's based in the one who is faithful and the one who cannot and will not fail you. And so whether this is the, the first time that you've heard this message of the gospel, or the hundredth time, or the thousandth time. The good news is always the same. And the good news is always that which is needed, because His mercies are new every morning. And that makes it like a, a fountain of water that's bubbling up within us, that never ends. It brings that hope day after day after day. This is the message that transforms, because inherent in it, is a love that is unlike any other love. You know, John described it in, in this way, the Apostle John in John chap, 1 John chapter 4. He said, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. It means the, the, the satisfaction for our sins, to take away our sins, to remove uh, them from us. I want you to notice, uh, as we go through this, uh, the word you. Look with me again, back at this, back at this uh, passage in verse 10. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. I want you to notice how 
how personal this is, how direct it is with this word you. The Savior didn't, didn't come just looking for a people, a people in general who He would take care of sin. No, they, they are your sins that are taken, that are removed as far as you from, as the east is from the west. It's your sin. This is personal. You know, some people, they, they live in their Christian lives and they know Christ or they know of Christ, and yet you see that there's this ongoing dwelling in their lives of sin and of, of shame and of guilt that it, it remains and it pulls them down. But this is, this is a message of the Savior who has come and once for all taken that sin and done away with it. And so we can come to Him again and again and again. And the same thing is true. It's been taken as far as the east is from the west. This is personal. He says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who have received Him by faith. The weight has been lifted off. Uh, in fact, uh, Galatians chapter 5 is a, a wonderful place to go there. For, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You know, when you know that this good news is for you, that it's particular, that it's personal, that He is your Savior, that's when your heart is ready to proclaim this message. And one more, uh, just briefly, important aspect about this message given to the shepherds. We get it in the very first uh, words there in chapter, I'm sorry, in verse 10. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. These, these are the same words. You go through Scripture, especially with Jesus Himself, His disciples, you count up how many times He said, do not be afraid. Uh, you got to get the sense after a while, this is important. I'm prone to this. I'm prone to fear. I'm prone to anxiety. But He has said, do not be afraid. And He never says anything without equipping us for it. You know, the, the gospel, of the, the, the good news of the gospel, it dispels fear. Why? Because we experience love. I'm going to go back to, to uh, 1 John chapter 4. The Apostle John says, There is no fear, no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. That's what the gospel is. It's perfect love. Christ came into this world, stepped down out of His place of glory into this world, lived as a man, died upon a cross, a criminal death for you, for me, that we might receive forgiveness, that we might receive His righteousness. That is love. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Why, why do we fear? At the root of it, we know that there is punishment there. We're, we're afraid of that occurring in different ways, in many different ways it manifests itself. But in the gospel, in this perfect love, there is a casting out of fear, a casting out of anxieties. This is one of the, one of the blessings of this message, that it dispels fear. And that's what we need. And so again, 
as we come to know this love of God more and more, we will be more and more equipped ourselves to proclaim this message that must be proclaimed. Do not fear. Uh, that's, that's what we must do because of the nature of the message. But it's not only a message for you. It's not only personal in that sense. This is also good news for others. Uh, this message is given for all people. It's not merely for a group. Remember what the, what the Israelites did, what the Jews did uh, all the way through or I should say later on as we get closer to the, the New Testament more and more, uh, believing that, that this was for them. It was a message for them. Not that they were to be the proclaimers of the message. Not that they were to have the ones who had God's Word. But it was just for them. But no, this is a message for all people. Uh, doesn't matter whatever nation, ethnicity, for all People, We see that in the angel's message there again in verse 10. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You know, the angel is already giving this good news, this message to the shepherds. It's for them. It's personal. Uh, but, but now he says it's for all the people. What, what's he talking about here? He's laying down a principle that none of those categories that seem to matter so much to us matter when it comes to this message. They don't have any bearing on who this message goes out to, whether it's nationality or sex, male or female, social standing, severity of sin, sinfulness, wealth, education. God Himself has spoken and He has said, this is a universal message. It goes out to all people. And the reason is, really, that for every person out there, no matter what creed, religion, worldview uh, they might hold to or, or, or believe they have, no matter what background, ethnicity, or, or other category they fall into, they've all been made by God, every single one of them. And you think about the potter who makes the pots. Who do those creations belong to? They belong to the potter. Uh, and every single person has been made by God. They belong to God, and therefore they are responsible to God, no matter what, is, what the thought of the person is. And so, for the shepherds, the task was, because of the nature of the message, it was to go and to proclaim it widely. And, and that's what they did. We can look a little further down in, in the passage beyond where we ended earlier, verse 17, uh, and when they saw it, they saw this child that had been born, uh, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Notice there, it doesn't tell us what kind of response they received. It may have been good, it may have been negative, uh, but they shared this should be helpful to us, I think, as we recognize that this is a, it's a message that must be shared uh, regardless of the response that we might receive. And, and that's a challenge. That's a difficulty for every single one of us, I believe. Uh, perhaps it's a little easier for some because of our makeup, perhaps. But really, at the heart of it, uh, 
what we need is this reminder of what it's all about. That this is good news. That is hard. This is not bad news. Now, there is an element, certainly, of bad news that's here. This, this message points out people's sin. It points out ultimate judgment uh, because they have sinned against a holy God. Uh, it, it points to their inability to save themselves. And, and people don't want to hear that, any of those. Uh, so, of course, that's, that's why it is a message that is hated. Yet, some will hear. Some will respond. And we can't look upon the heart and know ahead of that, ahead of time, who those people are and, and whose heart the Lord has prepared, what He's done in, in cultivating hearts for this message, painful as they might be. Uh, he has has done a work, and what He calls us to do, and we know it because of the nature of the message, it is to prayerfully, and out of a knowledge of His great love for us, to take that message and to share it, to care for others, uh, because we have been cared for, we have been loved, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, also what helps us greatly, just one more thing here, is the reminder that this is good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. Great joy. No matter what response we might receive, simply knowing that in this message, there is great joy to be had. That should spur us onward. You know, that when it does find root, when it finds fertile soil, that there, there will occur a beautiful picture in that person, a person who is walking in darkness, who was walking in darkness, yet now they have seen a great light. They now see the knowledge of eternal life, hopelessness replaced by a great hope, knowledge of an inheritance that will never perish, never spoil, never fade and the experience of freedom in Christ, where fear and anxiety is replaced by the certainty of faith in one who will never fail us. All of these belonging to those who receive this message. Now, now that, should, that should serve as encouragement to us as we take this message that can't not be shared, and we take it forward and share it, knowing what this message is, knowing ourselves that motivated because this message is for us, and it's a message of great joy, and then knowing that God has done the work, God plows the heart, and our task again and again is to share, knowing what we might receive in return, uh, but once we are prepared knowing the love that's been shown for us, we are ready. So uh, what it takes, first of all, a recognition, this good news is for us. It's personal, uh, and it has been given to you to take care of that which you can't take care of yourself. And then secondly, an understanding that this good news is for others. Certainly, everyone will not receive this message. The, the gate is narrow and the, the way is wide, 
The gate is narrow to life. The way is wide to destruction. Uh, but it is a message to be shared and to be taken widely, to be proclaimed. And God equips us and He provides for us to be His instrument in doing just that. So let's, let's take a, a heart of rejoicing in the knowledge that this message has been given for us and that this message has been given for the world. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you that in Christ that we do stand on solid ground and we confess that in our own daily experience that we falter often and we fail yet to know and to be drawn back to again and again uh, that understanding of the rock that we stand upon and the joy that we have in Christ, no matter what we're going through in our lives. Uh, Father, we thank you for that good news, and we pray that you would help us to, to be those who would take that message of good news and to proclaim it uh, in the, the world around us to those whom you place before us. Uh, we thank you and we look to you in Christ's name. Amen.